Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2, and I seem to like to use alliteration. So this episode is going to be about title, template, and theme, because this is where I think these distinctions get lost in the discussion about what it means to be a woman. Titles are like labels, meaning they serve a purpose for classification. I think I had done an episode about that when I was all kinds of hype. But here's my point today and why I bring it back up. I don't know if you're aware that in the world of psychological care as well as psychiatric care, that those who are truly good at what they do and are very qualified and know how to maneuver through the many steps of therapeutic care, they go to the labels. They go, labels are necessary in order to give us a jumping off place. Labels are necessary in order to have your health care insurance cover your treatment. Labels are important to give us a context from which to have a conversation. Now, of course, when you are talking to your behavioral health specialist, your counselor, your therapist, your psychologist, your psychiatrist, that context is to improve your mental health. So those labels are pertinent to that context. And I have been listening for the last few years about this runaway train with pronouns. Now, before you go, I'm not going to listen to this. Hear me out. Everybody has an opinion, whether it's I don't care, whether sure, use whatever title you want to, to nah, you can't make me use your titles of the day. Wherever you are on the continuum, I'm not here to judge nor pontificate upon that. What I am suggesting is that a pronoun is like a title, like a title is like a label. It is a jumping off place. It serves a purpose, but in the context of the greater meaning of why you are there, it is really quite honestly the most minutia, perhaps, irrelevant bit of information to who you are, what you do, what you contribute, how you decide not to contribute, what it is that you want to do in terms of leaving an imprint on the world, and what kind of legacy you want to leave once you depart it. The Bethany of a few years ago was like, I will be GD'd that someone is going to usurp womanhood. And then I was like, okay, I need to educate myself. Why is it? Why are people really focusing on their pronouns? And I placed that in the context of womanhood. And this was the answer I came up with. To me, being a woman means having been a girl, having been a teenage girl, 
having been a teenage girl advancing into young adulthood as a young woman to then becoming a middle-aged woman to now becoming a post-50 woman. I've been a daughter. I've been a sister. I've been a mother. I have been a woman in the work place. So I too have anchored myself to a number of titles that are labels. Are they irrelevant? No. Are they unimportant? No. But to what degree are they significant? When you really start to think about what it means, for example, for Bethany to have been a mother. Well, for me, I was a single mother. I was a single mother putting out dumpster fires left, right, and center. To another mother, it might be a two-parent household, a McMansion, a white picket fence, 2.5 kids. Mother is different for everyone. So for me, excuse me, and I'm not going to edit that out. For me, use whatever title you want. But please listen to the following segments as to where I may perhaps diverge from the use of such titles. The second T is template. Now, when you think about a template, it can be as diverse as the aforementioned segment. So I'm going to tell you a few little anecdotal stories. It's how I roll. Today, I was out shopping with my mother at a thrift store. And what did my uh, eyes see? But a little Christmas ornament with a little Barbie doll. And she was a retro Barbie doll. And it flashed me back to when I was in sixth or seventh grade when my mother gave me this authentic circa, I don't know, 1950s Barbie doll. And she just had the coiffed hair. She had the black and white uh, one-piece bodysuit. Somebody had adorned her with a finely crocheted, gorgeous light blue dress. Now, what I had done to that Barbie was brush her hair, cut her hair, lose the dress, and go, I don't know, am I ever gonna have boobs like her? And oh my goodness, my feet don't look like her. But it was one of my early impressions of what it meant to be a feminine woman. Because what? I was, I don't know, nine, ten. So to have looked at that template gave me one idea of what it might mean eventually when I would grow up. Now you move ahead a few years and we enter the 80s. And the 80s are, you know, it's all about... I don't know. I don't know. Do they call it the Rat Pack or the Brat Pack? I think they call the 80s John Hughes crew the Brat Pack. I don't know. Feel free to correct me. I don't want to be wrong. And uh, it was all about the Duran Duran and the whoever did that song. Flock of Seagulls. There we go. Flock of Seagulls. Hair, the mullet, Madonna. And I'll never forget... The principal of my high school called my mother and said, you need to come and pick up your daughter. 
And my mother was like, why? Why do I have to come and pick up my daughter? Did she do something wrong? Is she hurt? Is she okay? And he said, well, she is not dressed appropriately and we don't allow that. It is against the dress code. You would think that I was, I don't know, I had decollete, that I had a skirt way up to the bottom of my peaches, that maybe I was wearing stiletto heels. No, no, no. I, in all my brilliance, and no breasts, by the way, wore a button-down V-neck sweater. It was a very low V-neck sweater. And it was hot pink with black leopard spots. And I decided to put it on backwards so that my back would be exposed. And since I had no boobage, I used, I don't know, maybe it was four inches uh, um, in width of a belt as if it was my bra. So it was buckled, you know, in the front, but you saw the black strap in the back. And <gasps> the principal was like, no, we can't have that. That's just too sexy. I will give you two more examples. So you fast forward, I graduate from high school. I start dating this guy from the UK and I'm like, oh, I'm a young woman now. I need to be sultry. I need to be sexy. I need to, I need to be beautiful. <laughs> that was such a hard word for me to swallow at that age, by the way. Um, but I remember I had this one picture and I'm wearing this velvet dress. And yes, yes, it was up above my mid thigh. And yes, yes, it had capped princess sleeves. And yes, yes, it had this wide open, beautiful neck. Um, I think it was meant once again for somebody who had boobage. I didn't. So when I look at those pictures, I go, oh, stunning legs. Oh, my hair didn't suck in that picture. And then I go, oh my God, boobs or no boobs. That's way too much breastplate to be showing. That's just way too much exposure. And now we'll roll forward to after I was diagnosed with AIDS and after I met and then married my husband, of whom I'm now divorced from and have been for a very long time. And I was like, I know. I know the template I want as a 20-something. I want to be a yuppie. Not the 80s yuppie. Not the I've gotten rich yuppie. I want to be the khaki-wearing, beautifully tailored white up-collar shirt with cuffs with a sweater, you know, just lightly, uh, you know, I don't know the words, lightly adorning my shoulders. And I want to have little pearls and a little diamond ring because I thought that screamed... I am modest, I am simple, I am classic. If anybody knows me now, I ain't like any of those riffs of my past. Now, somebody might say to me, I am some kind of, 
you know, mixture of all those things, and I would agree. But I, I wear it up any way I want to. My hair, my clothes, my jewelry, and I've learned how to accent the parts of the body that I appreciate, not some dude. I've learned to wear colors that I like, whether it's in vogue or in season or not, I don't care, that I have found my personality and how I dress my body. And so in just my lifetime, I have had a number of templates as a girl and as a woman. And if anybody were to say to me that I had to be defined by any one of those for the rest of my life, I would think that I'd have to gag. Who wants to be constrained and restrained to that kind of confined, myopic, never-changing, constantly static mold? I suspect nobody. And if somebody does pick a style, if you will, pray it be because that's their choice, not because someone's telling them for them. And so when it comes to this, what I refer to as runaway train, simply because it's happening too fast to too many demographics without enough salient debate, the use of pronouns and these caricatures of what it means to be a woman this is what I'm referring to. So if you can have wiggle room with the title, for me, I have less wiggle room with the template. Let's talk themes, because for me, this is where the meat is on the bone. Whether it is a buzzword or a meme or a podcast or a news clip, we have heard a number of things that range from, some of this language is so horrific, I hate repeating it, and it's more disgusting than profanity. Um, the F word for those from the LGBTQIA plus community uh, to turfs for women who aren't buying into this runaway train situation, um, this divisive, horrific um, spit fight. That's what I call it. I visualize it with people just spitting on each other, and it's so vulgar. Um, however, I think there is an issue that is even more vulgar, and it is having a biological woman in her constellation of layers throughout a lifespan, that being biological, physiological, psychological, hormonal, skeletal, etc., that she is having to compete with somebody who is identifying as a trans woman. There should be no competition. Nobody should have to shrink. Nobody should have to be silent. Everybody should have a say. Everybody should have space. What I don't understand is this current dynamic, not a debate, this current dynamic of, well, I want to be a trans woman for whatever the reason. I don't I really don't care whether it's gender dysphoria or it's the flavor of the day or I've always wanted to be one. Whatever the rationale is that somebody says, I want to be a trans woman and equate 
myself to a woman. And I go, why? What, what on the face of the planet with any sense of logic could you possibly in any way whatsoever understand the epigenetic unfolding of what it means to go from girlhood to womanhood in all of those different layers. It's offensive and I find that vulgar and that's not putting someone who's a trans woman down. Conversely, I'm saying as clearly as I can, any trans woman who is saying I am identical to you, that I can tell you what it means to be a girl or a woman, and that I can patronize you while I condescend to you to tell you what it is, thinks that they are not offending me. And I got news for you. There's a lot of women like me that aren't friggin' turfs that are offended. And let's put the word offended in its proper context. I don't mean, oh, I'm going to crinkle my nose and, you know, furrow my brow and go, oh, that was distasteful. No, I'm talking about the kind of being offended that in the name of you having space that I have to erase, eradicate, you know, maneuver around you. I don't want to maneuver around you in the name of you telling me you're identical to me. You do you, I'll be me. And let me tell you why. Whatever science was, whatever science is, whatever science will be, because we live in the world of CG, FX, holographics, um, you know, what are they, not hallucinations, uh, holographics. Uh, we live in, we can put this on, cut that off, we can plump this up, we can suck that out. There's going to come a time that whether it's a doll or some kind of digital person, there, there's going to come a time that you can look any way you want and that you can be with anyone you want. And okay, but Lord help me, just because you hold a tampon and you refer to a vaginal canal as your purse sack or some other vulgar pet name that you all of a sudden know what it's like to have the precursor symptoms to beginning your menses, to know what it's like to deal with beginning your menstrual cycle, not just psychologically, but physically in private and in public and how it is your body changes and how your urges changes and, and how your mind begins to think differently. I think not snot. And on a more serious level, since everybody is tossing around, you know, the discussion about Roe versus Wade. And everybody has to, you know, they have to claim their stake and their stake is the most important. Again, I think not snot because whether you've decided to terminate a pregnancy or to go through with the pregnancy, whether you've decided to remain the parent of that child or to adopt that child out, if you decided to stay with that child and treat that child wonderfully or like a piece of garbage, whatever decision you make, no matter what Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein puts on, takes off, dresses up, undresses, you will never 
never know what it's like to inherently make any of those decisions. Now, can you make those decisions as a trans woman? Sure. Educate the world on what it's like to deal with those issues as a trans woman. All I'm asking any trans woman to do is to stop saying we're identical because we ain't. We ain't and I will not kowtow and I would invite others to not kowtow with me. See, think of it this way. Poetry will never be Moby Dick. Moby Dick will never be some pop song. A pop song will never be an operatic, I don't know, I'm going to call it a soliloquy. A, a, a moment in operatic time is never going to be beatboxing. Can you create some combination of those things? Can you see some similarities with those things? Can you create a composition or a dissertation as to how they might have, you know, um, similar tempo, flow, rhyme, and reason? Sure, but they ain't the same, and it's insulting. Take it a step further. Go with genre. You cannot go expecting to watch a comedy and then feel like it's okay to be punched in the face with the most horrific horror show. There's a reason that we have titles, templates, and themes. And they are to coexist together. And we do have flexibility. We do have latitude. But believe you me, in the world of HIV AIDS, as of 2022, it is phenomenally difficult to have a biological female woman's needs met without filtering through this BS first. Just saying. you manage to get through this entire episode without your head exploding, I would like to end with this because I have experienced this way too many times. Somebody looks at my skin color and goes, you don't know what you're talking about. Somebody looks at my gender, says, you don't know what you're talking about. Somebody looks at my level of education and my job experience, my work experience, my career and go, you don't know what you're talking about. But see, as I have shared on my Instagram account, I so too will share here. I'm telling my story. I'm giving my opinions. And I don't have permission from everybody in my life to throw their life under the bus. And so therefore, there are things that you will never know about me. And I have to ask you this. Trust me on the sunscreen. I know inherently, personally, intimately, what it means to be discussing the issues from not the biological female woman perspective, but from the trans woman perspective, the trans man perspective, whether to keep, terminate, adopt out a baby's perspective. I lived it and I only don't share it because I respect the other people that I experienced it with. Period. 
Until the next time, be well.